0: morning, welcome to Battleground this morning, if you're watching online, I know we've had a few people this, this, this had dealing with the COVID and other things that are getting over it, and I uh, pray that they're watching online with us today. We're getting, we're kicking off a new study, it's probably going to be somewhere between at least seven weeks, we'll just leave it at that. It was going to be six, it grew to seven this week, so I'm not promising it won't grow again, but... The point is is to is to orient us toward victory uh, as we move forward by faith as a church and and so no we're, we're not going to study every verse of Joshua verse by verse if we would we sure wouldn't be doing it in eight weeks and uh, but I do want to hit the mountain peaks this uh, over the next few weeks and so let's stand to our feet Joshua one we're going to be reading and looking at verses one to nine this morning as we see. Faith triumphs in the beginning through Joshua's commission. We read in Joshua 1, beginning in verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon... I have given to you just as I promised Moses from the wilderness and in this Lebanon as far as the great river and the river Euphrates and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not leave you or forsake you. So that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, as we stand here to our feet. The truth is that all of us are leading somebody. That means that somebody's following us. So God, may that sober us this morning. Whether we like it or not, you have made us to lead. So God, teach us. What does success look like in your eyes? For is it not your eyes? It only really matters. And so, Lord, teach us how to be better businessmen and businesswomen and parents and church leaders. And, Lord, may we be willing to press forward in faith no matter how hard it is. For we know just like there is a victory, there is an enemy. And so, God, we need you need your standard placed on our life lest we take the world's standard and place it on our life so teach us correct us encourage us today in jesus name amen you can be seated it's no surprise to any of us that we have in our lives and in our country not only in our country in the world let's say a crisis of leadership There is either, and you've encountered it, you're probably encountering it right now. Either you're at a place with no leadership or really, really bad leadership or just like, eh. Doesn't matter whether you're in business. Most of you can remember back to your young days and say, I had a crisis of leadership in my home. Sometimes one of the leaders just bailed on us. If you've been in church very long and... You've been in the SBC very long. You've seen that we have a crisis of leadership here. Because of a lack of discipline in our church, we have tolerated sin in the camp. So what is the key? Is there a rule or a standard that we are bound to as business people, that we are bound to as parents, as church leaders and students or whoever we are? So there's two humbling re- reminders today we need to start with. Joshua is clear. It's the way it starts. Your leadership will end, but God will not. You have a brief time in this world to do what God has designed you and called you to do, and then your time on earth will end, and God's will carry it on with somebody else. Your leadership will end. God's will not. Your success does not depend on your natural talent but your resolve to see god's word as two things in your life today if you get this you get the sermon as your chief guide and your source of blessing if you abandon that you abandon any measure of success notice this i think this is a helpful definition of what leadership really is it says leadership is the activity of influencing people to cooperate towards some common goal which they come to find desirable. That's Ordwell Teed. thought that's pretty good. They don't always initially find it desirable, but they will if they have a good leader. The problem really started with leadership. If you remember, this world was designed, intended not to be like it is today. You're not experiencing life under the sun the way God designed it to be. It was a leadership problem from the beginning. God was the perfect leader, you see. The problem was not the leader. The problem was that the followers did not want to follow the leader. And so sin entered the world through man's own willful choices. God promised the woman through her seed that the problem would be fixed. And so God chose a man named Abraham, an idol-worshiping pagan, and said, I'm going to give you not only offspring, but I'm going to give you land. And Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob had sons. And one of those sons whose name was Joseph. And he would use Joseph to preserve his people, to carry on and fulfill his promises. You remember there was a famine and. Through Joseph and God's sovereignty, his people was spared. They came to live in Egypt. But as the story goes and we remember, there became a king, a pharaoh, who do not know Joseph nor remember what Joseph nor his God did. And they enslaved God's people. And God's people cried out for hundreds of years in their slavery. And so God raised up a leader and his name was Moses. He was a hesitant leader. He was an imperfect leader, but he was God's leader. And God took his people all the way to the promised land just as he promised. And you remember they sent out the 12 spies and only two of them came back with a positive report. All the rest of them come back. We can't do it too big. So what did the people do? They listened to the 10 and they rejected the two. One of which of the two's named was Joshua. So God's people wouldn't trust and enter into God's promises. And so he sent them into the wilderness, and there that generation died. And so as we get to the story today, there is both a new generation and there is a new leader. The question is whether they will trust and obey. This is our story. This is the story that points us to Christ. And this is where we are today. Joshua had to face some realities. They were overwhelming. Yet he had one empowering promise and two critical imperatives that's what we want to look at today first what was as Joshua this new leader what was his overwhelming what was his realities that as a leader he had to face square on you see the first one look at verses 1 and the beginning of verse 2 Moses is dead I don't know if you've ever been in a church where there has been a long term pastor where the pastor has been there for years and years and and everybody just considered each other family. And then one day he stands up into a pulpit and he just resigns. And he walks away. You ever experienced that? Just that? What just happened? Is he really gone? He's our pastor. He can't just leave, can he? You know, and you're in this shock that this leader, this person that you trust is all of a sudden is gone. And then after the shock wears off, the mourning ensues. This is where God's people are. There's nobody ever been like Moses. I mean, even in Joshua, he is called the Lord's special servant. Listen to this, Exodus thirty-three verse eleven. Thus saith the Lord. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Listen to this. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from this tent. It's. So, through Moses' whole life, there was a God that was beside of him watching what was going on, and his name was Joshua. He saw the, how Moses spoke to God, and how God spoke to him. And yet, in Deuteronomy 34, we know what happened with Moses. God took him up on a mountain. And the Lord said to him, This is the land in which I swore Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob, and I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And He was buried in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite of Beth Peor. But no one knows his burial to this site to, the, to this day. We would say, quite honestly, that Moses was a tough act to follow. Wouldn't you agree? Here's the question: Was Joseph called to be a little Moses? Was well, that his job? You gotta feel those shoes. Joshua, good luck. <laughs> I love this quote. It's Yahweh, Yahweh's faith. Yahweh's faith does not hinge on the achievement of men, however gifted they may be, nor does it evaporate in the face of funerals or rivers. God's not sitting there going, oh no, Joshua isn't no moses how am i going to a funeral of a great leader or a pastor or a prophet doesn't make god quake in his shoes nor did the jordan river that was set before him it was interesting I hope growth group's going to talk about this a little bit more joshua's name was not always joshua it was hosea that was his name but as we've read in the bible Jacob has turned to Israel. God changes your name. It's significant. See, even points us to the gospel, doesn't it? In Numbers 13 16, it says, And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Joshua is important, you see. Joshua's job was to point somewhere. You can even hear it, can't you? Yeshua. Who we call Jesus wasn't called to be Moses. He was called to be Joshua. You see, God doesn't change. His leaders, they change. God is the same. And so he tells this, this this leader, wasn't a young man, by the way, the old dude. You know, look up how old he was. To go. He said, Moses is dead. That's a commission. Moses is dead. You go. It's going over this Jordan that's before him, this great river. Look at what he said. Verse 2 Now, therefore, go over this Jordan, you and all his people, into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. The reality is just this Joshua has the ball, he's the leader. Praise the Lord, Moses groomed him for this moment in time. He was raised up. This is, we see leadership developing in him, and he's been beside of Moses all the time. But now Moses is gone, and now he has to be the man. This is a story of a man, but it's really not the story of Joshua. This is a story of conquest. It's a story of victory. It's the story about God fulfilling his promises. This is what he's saying from the very beginning. Look at verse 3 and 4. This is the overwhelming reality. God has made a promise, and he's going to fulfill it through Joshua. Look at what he said, verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the lands of the Hittites, to the great sea, towards down. The down of the sun shall be your territory. All of this that you're going to touch, Joshua, is going to be yours. Look at what he says. I have given it to you. It's already yours. God has already given him the deed to the land, as it were. Why? Because he had already given it to Abraham. Before you get troubled when we get into these next chapters and, and people... He starts, people start going away. This was God's land first. God gave it to Abraham. To your offspring, I will give this land. Genesis 12, 7. He said, ah, everywhere your feet was. That's plural. We would say it in southern. Everywhere y'all go, it's going to be your land. You and the people. He had already given it to them. The land belonged to Israel. The possessing hadn't happened yet, but the gift, the transaction had already may have been, been done. God is the giver. He's also in charge of the process. The first principle you don't want to miss this morning is that people change, God's purposes doesn't. And that's good news because God gives us a promise It's an empowering promise he gives to Joshua, as he gives to Moses, as he gives to us. I will be with you. Verse 5. No one shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just, Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Isn't that the best news in all the world? The promise is I'll be with you. It was God's promises to Moses. Do you remember? Moses was a hesitant leader. He's sitting there in the burning bush, and he's sitting there going, "Huh, uh not me, not me. Pick somebody else. I can't talk. I can't. I can't. Go back and see what God promised him. No, you're the one, and I'm with you. It's God's promise to us for the new covenant. Just listen to Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. 31 his promises is to always be with his people. This was the song of the psalmist. Where shall I go from your spirit? Psalms 139 and verse 7. It says, Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're going to be there. If I go down in the grave, you're going to be there. There's nowhere I can go to be outside of God's presence. Is this not how he comforted his disciples in John 14? When He promises them to give them the Spirit, to dwell with them, and to be in them. I hope you all talked about this in your growth group this week. God's promises has a nature to it. Because God has promised to do things, and listen, because He has a dozen things in every one of your life, it meant for that to happen, something of His power had to happen into your life and situation. He had to do something. God's promises, you see, are always secured by His character. The fact that my children are home today means that God had to do something of His character to make it happen. It just didn't happen. There is no such thing as fate or luck. There is a God who designed it that makes it happen. And when He makes it happen into our life, He's bringing His power to bear in our life to bring about His promises and His plan. Moses understood this Though being a hesitant leader in in Exodus 3, listen to what he said in Exodus 33. Listen to this growth in the knowledge of God's promises. Moses said to God, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us? so that we are distinct I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. The secret to Moses, Joshua, and your success is God's promised presence. I don't know why, On if you look on Facebook and they put all that on your social media and they always put these things up there they want you to look at. For some reason, it's been Robin Williams has been popping up, the... The great comedians been popping up. I'm saying, I don't know what he's there for. Probably, arguably, at least in my generation, one of the greatest comedians around. And yet, looking back on his routines as they pop up on my feed, here's what I thought: You can have it all and have absolutely nothing. God's promises are empowering. But God also gives him Joshua imperatives, two of them. The first one we see in verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. It's really, that's really one, one imperative. It says, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Being strong means exactly what it says. It means to be strong. But it has two aspects here that I don't want you to miss. One is because of God's promised presence, what it brings, this strength that God's promised presence brings is an imperative to be confident in that which God has called us to do. And the reason we can be confident is because of what He just said He said, no one will have the ability to stand up against you. Why? Because of my presence. Because I'm going in front of you. Joshua's battles is going to be God's battles, and your battles are God's battles. He is with us, so we are in this together. Sometimes when we don't even realize it. nobody has the ability to stand up against you because I'm with you so be confident get up go lead my people across that river and take that land because I'm with you do it and do it confidently it also points him towards this Joshua must be a man of resolve what does that mean Someone who is resolved makes a firm decision to do something about something. Something specific. They have to make a resolve. This is who, what I am going to do. And here's what he said he needs to resolve. It goes to the second imperative. Joshua, you've got to be a man of the book. This is the message today. If you miss this, you miss it all. It is to be a man of the book. This is not about Joshua being some kind of masculine, macho leader. It's not a point at all. He's supposed to be a man of the book. Look at his... And this is the focus. This is the heart of this passage. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right to the left that you may have good success. Notice the condition here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written. Joshua's guide as a leader is the same as our guide. It is the word of God. It is the timeless, unchanging nature of God's word that is our present times in fear difficulty and confusion and if you leave that you are left without a rudder and a compass Joshua knew the god of Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy that's what he had at this point in history this is this is important God people nor his word nor the nature of how he works changes Here's what he's teaching him from the very beginning. You are not supposed to live waiting on some special revelation from God when he's already given you all you need for life and godliness. Joshua, you have what you need. Open the book and be a man of the book. This is how you will lead my people, either toward the promises or away from them. You've got to be a man of the book. Joshua's primary motivation was to be a man of the book, not simply the words when God says, Go here or go there. Or don't go here or don't go there. This wasn't primary. It is Listen, it has never been primary. God's Word is primary. And once He writes it down, it becomes the supernatural way that He speaks to His people. And if we abandon it, we abandon the very voice of God in our life. It is his primary, and it must be our primary. Francis Schaeffer says this about his authority. Joshua knew Moses, the writer of the Pentateuch, personally. Joshua knew his strengths and his weaknesses as a man. He knew that Moses was a sinner, that Moses made mistakes, and that Moses was just a man. Nonetheless, immediately after Moses' death, Joshua accepted the Pentateuch as more than the writings of Moses He accepted it as the writings of God. Two or three hundred years was not required for the book to become sacred. As far as Joshua was concerned, the Pentateuch was the canon, and the canon was the word of God. The biblical view of growth and acceptance of the canon is simply understood as this. When it was given, God's people understood what it was, and right away it had authority. So Moses lived by the Bible. He lived by Scripture. He would lead by Scripture. He must know God's Word. Four actions this means in his life. That Joshua, in order to be a good leader, he needs to know it. That's what he's telling him. Be careful to do according to the law. You cannot do what you do not know. This meant that Joshua, whether he had the original that Moses penned which is quite amazing to think about isn't it or whether he had a copy of it it means that he had to get it out and that if he was going to be a good leader he must conform his thinking to God's thinking in order to lead his people in order to be the leader that God had called him to be so here's the point God's godly leaders don't become leaders and then become lovers of the book Lovers of the book become good leaders. You get that? You don't become some godly leader and then somewhere along the way become a lover of God's word. It is those who love God's word that become good leaders. It is necessary to know it. It's also necessary, look at the end of verse 8, to meditate on it. Just knowing information is not enough just to be able to regurgitate the answers to the questions, is of little benefit to your life and the lives of other people's. He says, this book shouldn't depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate on it day and night. Meditation implies this. I'm going to apply it. It is to dig into something, to make some logical, deductive so what's out of it in order to change the way we live in order so I can make some kind of decision should I do this or should I do that should I date him or should I not whatever that decision is meditation is required to be able to think what does God say and who is God and what is he promised because I want to live for him and I want to make the right decision if you don't meditate you will never get there Meditation always has application in its goal. All of this is for really one central reason, so that Joshua might obey it. You've got to know it. You've got to meditate on it. The person, you'll see in verse 7 and 8, is his obedience is the point. What God is not doing, this is critical, because all of you are fighting a battle of some kind. He's not sitting down in the center going, all right, let's talk about Jericho first, right? It's going to seem sort of weird, right? When I get to Jericho, I know it's going to seem weird. But listen, i got a plan. And so once we get through Jericho, now here's what's next. Here's the strategy. He's not doing that at all. He's saying the secret of your success, Joshua, is not physical. It is not material. It is spiritual. And it is related to your obedience to me. This is where it all went wrong in the garden. And this is where it will go wrong in your life if you do not heed it. There is no exceptions to this rule. Psalms 1, listen to that. I love the New Living Translation. You know this, you know this, but listen to this in, this in this version. Psalms 1 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and all they do prosper. There is a promise. God's with us. There is an imperative. Be strong and courageous because he is with you. And be strong and courageous because he has given you the very guide of how you're supposed to lead. But all of this is meant for Joshua as the leader that he needs to also communicate his word. Look at verse 8. Do not let this book depart from your mouth. Joshua wasn't a, a cuckoo clock leader that sort of stays back in his office with his feet up and the air condition on and somebody says, okay, it's time, and he poop, boop. You know, he gets out there and says something and it pops back in. Joshua had to be a man who walked with the people. If they had a question, he needed to answer it. If they, ha- if they were hurt, he needed to counsel them. Joshua was to be a man just like Moses, in the sense that he's given a people to care for, whether it was his soldiers or his friends or his leaders, He had to speak it. He had to speak it corporately. He had to speak it individually, and so it is with us. It's not enough enough to know it in your head. Listen, if you can't communicate it, you don't really understand it, no matter what it is. There's an if then. You see it in the passage. Look at, the, look at verse 8 and 9. If you will be courageous, and if you will be a man of the book, then blessings. It's not the other way around. Get to end of verse 8. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened, Joshua. I wonder why he would say that to him. Probably because he was frightened. I'm with you. There is a divine formula of success here, and it centers around the Word of God. Knowing it, meditating on it, doing it, speaking it. God's Word is not some kind of checklist. It's not an app on your phone that if you put the app on your phone, you're somehow guaranteed success. John says you must abide. When we abide, it brings about God's presence. Listen, this is why I'm camping here a little bit right now. The Bible is not some kind of reverent relic that we sit on our coffee table. It is the very breathed Word of God that is given to us to guide us and to lead us on our assigned mission. You have a mission in this world. Are you doing it? Do you even know what it is? Success, brothers and sisters, is God's presence and a finished mission. And you're not required to finish somebody else's. You're required to finish yours. And God is telling all of us, you're my leader, go. Go. It's just the same. We just got through with Chronicles, remember? For two weeks. It's... It's amazing that David, of all the things he could do to challenge and to, and to encourage his son to build the temple, this is what David says to Solomon. First Chronicles 22, verse 13, Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and the laws of the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. You see, A pattern? So what? If you can. This is the part of the message to where Jesus would say, if you got ears, you need to listen. Are you trying to feel or empty someone's shoes instead of finishing the work to which you've been called? Do you know what I mean by that? Are you trying to feel somebody's shoes? I know in the camera you can't see it. You tr- I'm, I'm going to die one day. Right? This is the point. Moses is dead. And them shoes are going to be sitting at my bed. And nobody's going to be in them. Is my children responsible to try to stick their feet in that shoe? Or to make sure that they throw those shoes just as far as they can? Because they don't even want to get close to them. Many of us have spent most of our lives trying to empty or fill somebody else's shoes. This is not what Joshua was called to. He was not called to fill Moses' shoes. Moses had his job. He had his part that he played in God's plan, and he did it. And then he went home. And Joshua had played his part. And then he went home. And all of them were pointing to Jesus. And so does our life. And we are not called to live in somebody else's shoes. My children are not called to fulfill my dreams. And I sin against God, and I sin against them. When I vicariously try to live through the life of my children... Or simply live reacting to the bad parenting experience I had in the past. So, listen to me today. If you're listening online, if you're a stepmom or a stepdad, if you're a foster parent or adoptive parent or a biological parent, quit trying to outdo somebody, quit trying to make up for some kind of bad past experience in your life. You are wasting your life mining around in things that Jesus said that He has already taken care of. God has called you to do something, and you need to do it. No matter what you find your place in, no matter what season of life, no matter whatever led to what it is, if you only see your kids on the weekend, quit trying to buy them phones and buy them stuff, which only provokes them to anger and cheapens your relationship with them. Give them you, and that's enough. God has called you to be what He's called you to be. Most of the sexual chaos in our day comes from childhood trauma that nobody's ever dealt with. And they live their whole life trying to empty out somebody's shoes, and they don't know what to put in the shoe in its place. God has called you to be a stepdad, so be it. He's not called you to be the biological father, so quit trying to be it. Be who God called you to be. God chose you. He called you. So you obey by faith and you do your part. That is success. It's the presence of God and a finished mission. Finish the mission no matter what he called you to be. To that you have been called. And God promises victory for those who walk by faith. Moses did not live in a perfect world. Joshua did not live in a perfect world. And none of them obeyed perfectly and neither do you. God provides forgiveness. So get up, step up, turn around and follow him can you hear that today there is a divine formula here for success it is trusting in his promise and his timing and his way I apologize ahead of time I meant to ask you about this and I didn't but I think it's okay we've shared it publicly many a times you know me and Christina dated like all of us did she was still in college and I wasn't I was in a machine shop world well-established and one of her roommates didn't care for me very much because I represented everything she hated that stable dude that had a job and a business and wanted to have a family and uh time went on we got married and uh she called her up one day years later I don't remember how much nor do I remember how many kids we had I meant to ask Christina yeah she said we already had three kids and so the reason she couldn't really didn't like me and she would tell Christina all that guy's going to get you to do is get you barefoot and pregnant right and so one day she calls her up because she's coming through town she had been traveling on Broadway and off Broadway and she had been doing everything that the music and theater department told her that she wanted. Everything that she had, she, she was doing it. She was living the dream. And she calls Christina up and says, Hey, can I come over just in the area you want to visit? Christina reluctantly agreed because there she sat in a house full of kids. Her roommate sat around in our home. And she looked around and she said, Christina, you got everything. point is this the world's view of success and God's view of success is not the same God's view of success is our obedience by faith and finish what he's called us to do your success in this life hinges on your ability to follow his word it's not going to look like everybody else trust in his plan Trust in His provision and His guidance. And listen, here's what He's promised you. He's going to bless you. God blesses His plan. And He blesses His promises because He always fulfills them. So a God-blessed success, trust in His proven faithfulness. Live by His revealed Word. And step out in faith when He tells you to do something. This is where we begin our study in Joshua. Joshua is commissioned... He looks out at a river that's going to have to be crossed in a country that's yet to be taken. And so do we. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in humility as imperfect leaders, every one of us. We have led badly and poorly and led well. And so, Lord, it's so important that we as your children can come and and say, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Our lives exist to make much of you. And whether we do that at the White House or on the back of a trash truck, We can do the work God has called us to do and one day say it was a success because we trusted you and obeyed you by faith. Lord, all of us here have only but one life to live. And so now we come to this time of worship and give it to you. The tables are set. Your children now come and say, Lord... Forgive us our sins. We come to the cross before we even come to remember the cross and say, Lord, forgive us for our sins, both the ones we know and the ones we don't know. Forgive us and restore us and allow us to come to the tables to remember that you, that your son lived for us, died for us, and rose again, all so that we could be part of your family to have a purpose and meaning and destiny. Lord help us respond and not only through the tables but also through our giving and especially our gift of our one life because all of us are about to leave and you have commissioned us all to go so we go but now we worship bless your people as we worship we come here to open up our hands with open arms give us what we need and we worship you in Jesus name Amen